News Talk 1110 wbt The Pete Callender Show, hour number three. Hour number trace. Spanish lingo thrown in. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Uh, we're talking about the, uh, as headlineusa.com's Mark Pellin called it, gun grab bill. Clears the major Senate hurdle with rhino support. Um, we're talking about that, but also I'm going to uh, pivot into uh, some of the latest details out of what happened in Evalde, uh, Texas, at the school shooting. We'll cover some of that. Um, but let me go over here first to Mark. Welcome to the program, Mark. How are you? Hello, Pete. I had my druthers of whether or not to call today, but once you mentioned the uh, um, the domestic uh, relationship aspect and coming to dating, yeah, um, there may be a commerce clause challenge in a Tenth Amendment challenge if this is ever signed into law, in my humble opinion. Without looking, I haven't looked at the text. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at uh, getting away with it. I think it's the 320, um, Section 320 of the Telecommunications Act that allowed this language to go into the bill, that, okay, they're defining... They could be argued successfully that if they're defining a dating app or the dating app version of an established site for a voluntary association based upon philosophy, values, religious affinity, even disputes about definition, or the irreligious and a-religious. So it's getting into some very muddy waters here. Yeah, And um, I'm just urging everyone to contact your senators and those that uh, in other parts of the country that have relocated from Charlotte is to bring up these ideas, and that is to kill this thing on the floor. So the Senate is expected to pick this up uh, before the July 3rd break. Um, I think Schumer's trying to run it through by the end of the week, but... Or maybe it's the end of next week. But yeah, which would be the July 3rd week. So um, yeah, there is time. There is time to read it. It's 80 pages long. But the problem is a lot of the stuff is, it, it's nebulous. It's uh, Some of the stuff is undefined, vague, and probably yeah. intentionally so. That's right. I agree. That's why it has to be killed. If it's the, I said, I'm a common sense individual and I take things rather literally. If it's vague... It's best to err on the side of restraint and kill the bill. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times the, the problems in the courtrooms and the way things are decided by judges and the way they're argued by lawyers are directly due to this type of sausage making in the legislative process where, you know, somebody wants this word and somebody wants to define it this way. And so they start they start spinning out all of these different theories and ideas. And so they try to cover everything or limit things to just one thing and they just it they they in using so many words they open up all sorts of avenues for challenge and uh, you end up with some really ridiculous rulings based off of the way the laws are written rather than just simply stating you know hey here's this bill like if you're in a dating relationship are you dating yes or no what does that mean it means you're 
what, you're on a dating app or no? You are, uh, you've been out on one date, two dates, three dates, who paid, right? Uh, like how, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're not going to, you're not going to define it based on who paid, not in today's day and age. Uh, but Mark, I appreciate the call. I was unaware of the Telecom uh, Act connection there. Um, got an email here from Tim who says, red flag gun laws. Pete, you're absolutely correct. It sounds like the proposed law is intentionally vague. They can make up any, any rule or law if they, uh, as they see fit. So an ex-wife, girlfriend, etc., or a nutty neighbor or co-worker with a grudge could claim that you are dangerous and have your stuff confiscated at the point of a machine gun. Ex parte hearings sound like the good old Soviet Union. Next, Star Chambers. Oh, wait, we already have that. It is obvious that Trader Tom Tillis and Benedict Burr, along with Lindsey Gramnesty, really don't care for the Constitution. Uh, Dennis says... Pete, so if this new gun legislation passes, there exists a provision that says if I'm in a serious relationship with a woman and for some reason she beats on me, then I can have her guns taken away? Well, you have to be convicted, I believe. It applies to, yeah, convicted. So, no, you don't just get to say it. You have to be convicted of it. Um. Do, 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 do. The updated definition would not be applied retroactively either. Just going over the details here. Uh, Cheryl. Hello, Cheryl. Welcome to the program. Well, hi, how are you? Hey. Uh, yeah. I mean, why are we going through all of this? All they had to do was move the age for assault rifles from 18 to 21. This is crap. It's always been crap. And nothing's going to come. Boyfriend, girlfriend, what is this? We have a problem with mass shootings. Mm-hmm. Move the age limit from 18 to 21. That's... Can't buy liquor. At a certain age, you can't buy beer. What is the problem with these Republicans, man? They have so, lost their mind. <laughs> so, the, well, but the Democrats were, I mean, this is a negotiated framework. Um, the problem is that the the 18 to 21-year-olds, uh, they're actually uh, covered by the Constitution. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, why can't they buy, why can't they buy beer and liquor? That's not in the Constitution. Okay, whatever. That's n- Bye. No, you, Cheryl, Really? Cheryl, you asked a question, and I gave you the—I was just giving you the answer. I don't know why that was so—I don't know why it prompts you to hang up in disgust. I'm sorry if the Constitution applies to 19-year-olds. I'm actually not sorry. But it does. It applies to 19—you know what? Here's, here's the other thing. It also applies to people you don't like. I know. It's like they're one, it's one set of rules for everybody to live under. But I'll tell you what, if you want to go down that route and you want to say, you know what, from now on, we have, uh, uh, we have so infantilized our society over multiple generations uh, where everybody gets to be a child forever, like, you know, throwing out stupid questions and hanging up without waiting for an answer, stuff like that. So we have it's so infantilized our entire society that we need to push the age of adulthood to 21. All right, you want to make that uniform. So she mentioned, you know, cigarettes and and uh, uh, alcohol. I would also throw in there movies. Any kind of, like, we would just have a 21 and older and 21 and younger, right? And that's it. That's the dividing line. So everything under age 21 is basically G-rated, and then everything above is not G-rated because you're an adult. So you don't need parental guidance or anything like that. So, like, I would throw that in there, too. Um, Driving cars, 
21. Like, let's make that the rite of passage. You hit 21, and now you get everything. Oh, and also voting. Yeah. Well, because if you have all, if you're not going to be recognized as an adult, you have no constitutional protections and the right to self-defense and that sort of thing. If you don't have these things until you're 21, well, then you shouldn't be going in there and messing with our elections. I mean, after all, isn't the democracy really important? Got to protect it. Got to protect the democracy. So, yeah, it, let's make it all 21. I'm open to that argument. Your terms are acceptable, Cheryl. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Cheryl seemed very upset at the Republicans, but uh, this is a bipartisan deal. In fact, more Democrats actually voted for this bill than Republicans did. I know, it's so weird. Let's go over here to Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to the program. How are you? Good, Dave. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well. What's up? Hey, so I just had a couple of thoughts. Um, you know, we're talking about changing the age to, uh, you know, from 18 to 21, or, you know, it's just an arbitrary number. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do that, it needs to be across the board. You need to be 21 to vote, 21 to uh, to drink, 21 mm-hmm. to join the military, whatever, whatever it is that they do. Uh, 21 can be the number or whatever age it is. Yeah, and that's brilliant. I, I don't know about other Americans, but quite frankly, I don't live in Canada. I don't live in, in Russia. You oh. know, Putin's not my president. And and honestly, I don't care what the gas prices are there. I care about it being here. And, and it's the decisions that we've made in this country that are causing the effects that we're seeing now. And I think people just need to understand that. Oh, I think people do understand that at some level. Um, I also think people are waking up to the ESG impact on all of this, the the lack of investment and malinvestment that has uh, uh, that has occurred thanks to uh, this this push for ESG, environmental, social, and governance. Uh, the, BlackRock, Vanguard, these uh, these. Hedge fund uh, managers, they are directing capital. I've seen them referred to as a shadow bank. They are directing capital uh, away from fossil fuel industry um, uh, innovation, new generation, new facilities and stuff. And uh, this is all this has been happening for years. And now we're this is the result of it. And I think people are also starting to wake up to that as well. I know I have. I am as well. I, I couldn't agree with you more. All right, Jeff, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. Uh, All right, bud. See you. Great show. Thank you. All right, let me jump over here to Jim. Hello, Jim. What is going on? Yeah, Pete, this is Jim Bailey. Uh, I'm just calling about this 18 to 21, Mm -hmm. and the guy before me kind of stole my thunder. No, I'm sorry. Why are they so stuck on 21 before a man can buy? Uh, a gun. Well, I think it, well, it's a, then they can send them to in harm's way. Well, I think it's just part, it's part of, um, of a, of a journey to get to banning guns. So you take a little bit, you push it to 21. And then once you get everybody to accept that this is acceptable, right? That this is appropriate, that you can restrict by age, then what's next? Those, you know, wh- why not 26? I mean, after all, we're covered on our parents' health insurance now until age 26. And 
Actually, the brain isn't fully developed yet until age 25. And so maybe you start pushing that age a little bit. I know it sounds crazy, but some of the stuff that I've covered just this week would have sounded crazy to me a couple years ago, yet here we are. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know why why they get onto these particular ages, why, you know, 21 becomes a magical number or something. I, I don't get that. Sorry, I can't. I, I turned 21 in Vietnam. So, yeah. And I, I carried a gun when I was 18. Right. Well, and that's the other part of it. Yeah, do you, you then have to create exemptions for military people. So now you are re- you're already recognizing that some people are allowed to have weapons and weapons of war, actual weapons of war, right? <laughs> they're like, those 19-year-olds they get well because they're trained. Okay, so if I go through any other training, does that count? No, you have to be trained by the government. Oh, I see how this works. So as long as the government does the training of the individual, then you get the exemptions so you can then uh, uh, you can then uh, fire these weapons of war, but you're not allowed to fire them, I'm assuming, after you get out of the service. If you're only in for a couple of years and you get out before you turn 21, right? I'm assuming you don't, yep. get, to, you don't get to carry any more weapons at that point. That's kind of weird. So, yeah, it's all over the place. Uh, Jim, I appreciate the call. Good to hear from you. It, it, the, the, the rules are all over the place, and this is why so often in these discussions about new regulations that are floated – People that that pitch these ideas so often don't know what they're talking about, and they don't know what here. I think I had a, uh, I think I had an email along these lines here. Yeah, here it is from Russ. He said, "Pete, is it a requirement for the folks crafting this legislation to have no idea what laws already exist and how the new laws are going to be enacted?" Uh, yes, I believe it is a requirement. Uh, no, he says. Senator Tillis was on the air earlier today, and the straw purchase provision came up. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's uh, additional punishment or you know uh, or new restrictions on straw purchases, which are already illegal. Tillis explained uh, what an illegal unregistered gun dealer is, and then he never touches on the concept of straw purchases, where somebody purchases for an otherwise ineligible purchaser. Right. The problem is, though, this is one of the kickers on all of this: is that the the gun grabby groups, they. Um, they are constantly citing the low prosecution numbers for straw purchasers, and they want those numbers to be higher. Right, but that means you got to have DAs that prosecute girlfriends, mothers, younger brothers, siblings, cousins, right, that are pressured or extorted or threatened into buying a gun for their you know, terrible relative. That's who a lot of those straw purchasers are. So you want to see those people go to jail because they're in a they're in a, an abusive relationship and their uh, their criminal boyfriend forced them to go out and get a gun for him because he was ineligible. All right, yeah, throw the book at her. I'm sure that'll go over really well among a lot of the other constituencies inside the Democrat Party. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete, regarding the uh, moving the age from 18 to 21, 
If you put a frog in a very large pot of cold water, he's perfectly comfortable, and if you turn the heat on under the pot, it warms very gradually. The frog really has no idea what's happening to him until it's too late and the water boils. That's a lot like saying uh, that's a lot like the way the left will try to strip our liberties a little bit at a time and only the unimportant ones. Um, Jay says, Pete, I am of the thought that if I have the means, I should be able to have a M1 tank or B-52. I changed to unaffiliated only to vote against Jennifer Roberts in the primary. <laughs> Love the show. Uh, all right, let me go over here to John. Hello, John. Welcome to the program. What's going on? I was just uh, wondering, do we know how many mass shooters or killers for as that goes in this country or haven't celebrated their 21st birthday yet? Uh, there had how many of those shooters actually did it with a legal gun? Usually, if I remember correctly on the legality of the weapons, usually they take them from someone else, especially if they're underage, obviously. Uh, they, they're illegal. Uh, uh, they're not supposed to have the gun in the first place. But uh, usually they take it. I want to say uh, the mass shootings, because you got to be careful, too. Gun deaths that include mass shootings versus non-mass shootings, they, they're different motivations and actors and all different data, right, for all these different groups. But because, uh, like, even a mass shooting versus school shootings, different demographic profile as well. So uh, usually, if I recall correctly, that the uh, a lot of the guns are legally obtained for older people but illegally obtained for the younger people. I think that's correct, but I, 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 yeah, I stand to be corrected on that. I do know the age... I do know the age question, um, as according to, uh, this was from the statesman.com, but I believe it was actually PolitiFact that, uh, that put this together. Uh, they were fact-checking Chris Murphy, a Democrat, so of course they said that it was mostly true, even though it wasn't. Um, the fact-check uh, focused on a comment that he made about the, most of these killers tend to be 18 or 19 years old. They went through a database project that was done by the Washington Post that tracks every act of gunfire at a, at a primary or secondary school during school hours since Columbine. And they found 200 incidents, and they analyzed the shootings, and it found that more than two-thirds were committed by shooters under the age of 18. Two-thirds of school shootings under the age of 18. Yeah. So this well, this, this bill doesn't like even a, then address the school shooting issue, really, because it's it's only going to apply for 18, 19, 20-year-olds. It's like always, they're playing politics. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Come back later, like you said, and go for something else. Yeah, now I hear you. And I've, always, and I've always said if they just take all the guns away from the Democrats, we would be fine. Well, I mean, I can't say that I disagree with you terribly on that. It doesn't matter. Say. Well, I'm going on the fact how many people were shot in, say, Chicago last weekend. And oh, yeah. I mean, no, I understand. The majority of the people in Chicago are Democrats. So, no, I, I, I understand that the, the point is made that the, the worst violence, if you take out the five biggest cities that are all Democrat controlled and for the most part, Democrat inhabited. The five biggest cities in America, you take them out of our uh, our homicide rates, and we're like number 190th on the planet. We, that's that's the kind of difference the top five homicidal cities make to our stats. So when people talk about, oh, my gosh, America's so dangerous, well, five cities in America are very, very dangerous. You take them out of the and equation, then, and we, we are— and you have to get in the wrong neighborhood, too. 
Yeah, well, it, it just and it, well, this is the thing: gun deaths are different by category. They are they are very different, and so the response has to be different. The solutions have to be different. John, I appreciate the call. The, I've gone over these numbers before, but keep drilling them. When you have these discussions with people, the number one category of gun deaths: suicides. Number two, street violence. In other words, gang activity. Number three, domestic violence. And at least this bill tries to get at some of that, the domestic violence component, at least that. Now, on the the other thing, on the, so the school shootings, shootings that occur on a school campus during school hours, two-thirds of those are committed by people under the age of 18. The median age is 16. The median age for school shooters was 16 years old. So they're not legal Buyers or possessors of particularly handguns, right? Particularly in a gun-free zone. Particularly when they're using the gun to murder people. Not allowed. Just for the record, just want to point that out. Murdering people not allowed. For overall mass shootings, not just school shootings, studies have found that about a quarter of the shooters were younger than age 25. So 75% of all the mass shooters... Over the age of 25. So again, this bill with this 18 to 21 year old uh, focus. And Cheryl's call earlier. Why not just raise it to 21? What does that actually do? See, this is why I keep saying this. If your objective is to stop school shootings, then your remedies are going to look different than if your objective is to take guns. They're different objectives. And to the people who just want to take the guns, every remedy is to take the guns. Surprising, I know. But if your focus, your objective is to make schools safe and to harden the targets and to make sure that people, if they do, you know, show up looking to do bad things, that they are thwarted in their efforts, well, your remedies are going to look different. Your remedies might not be the same as the ones who just want to take all of the guns. And that brings us to what happened in Uvalde. I'm not sure. Every single day that passes, this the response from the cops in Uvalde, Texas, it just looks worse and worse. It's, it's horrifying. People need to be charged. I'm at the point now where it's like these people need, whoever it was that made these calls, this guy, what's his face? Uh, Arredondo, Arredondo, Pete Arredondo. Well, great first name, though. But Pete Arredondo. Evaldi School District Police Chief. This guy's a mess. And the stuff that they've been saying now, turned, or saying from the beginning, and now that we're finding out, just lies. Not true. By the way, a quick reminder that uh, every July 4th for the WBT Sky Show, we always do one of the, uh, we do the flag ceremony. It's after the ball game and before the fireworks show. And so if you are uh, active duty military or veteran and you want to participate, we'd love to have you uh, be part of the flag ceremony. Go to WBT.com for a chance to join us at WBT's Sky Show. Obviously, it's on July 4th. You get four tickets to see the game and then be part of the ceremony. And uh, welcome home and thank you for your service. So, um... I just grow more infuriated with every story I come across about what happened uh, in uh, Evalde, Texas, at the Robb Elementary School shooting uh, last month. 
According to the Texas Department of Public Safety Director Steve McGraw, who testified before a state Senate committee, he said the only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander. He said that the police response to the shooting was, quote, an abject failure. It left 19 students and two teachers dead. The shooter was inside the two classrooms. They were adjoining classrooms connected for more than 70 minutes before a tactical team from the Border Patrol breached the classroom doors and killed the gunman. Police officers with rifles gathered in the hallway outside of the classroom for nearly an hour while the gunman armed with the AR-15-style weapon of war, military-style rifle, whatever you want to call it, carried out his attack. 70 minutes they stood out there. Now, reports had indicated the cops were waiting for a master set of keys to enter the classroom. An officer said that a Halligan bar, an axe-like forcible entry tool, arrived eight minutes after the shooter entered the building. Authorities did not use the tool which was not brought into the school until an hour after the first officers entered the building. And instead, they waited for the keys. This is going to make you, this is going to make you rage. The classroom door was not locked. It could not be locked from the inside. And the cops never tried to see if it was open. The first four Officers had ballistic shields. I'm sorry, the first four ballistic shields came 19 minutes after the gunmen arrived. They had rifles. They had ballistic shields. The doors were unlocked. The guy in charge, Pete Arredondo, the Uvalde School District Police Chief. Arredondo previously said he did not believe he was the on-scene commander. However... He seemed to be issuing orders, directing officers to evacuate students from other rooms. He was the one that requested a SWAT team saying, we don't have enough firepower. All we have are pistols. And then there's this. Texas Department of Public Safety Director Colonel Stephen McGraw revealed that the husband of slain elementary school teacher Eva Mireles tried to save her, but was barred from doing so. Ruben Ruiz is a police officer for the school district. He was on the scene after the gunman entered the school and opened fire. McCraw said that Eva called Ruben and told him that she had been shot and was dying. Quote, and what happened to him is he tried to move forward into the hallway. He was detained and they took his gun away from him and escorted him off the scene. The one guy who tried to get in to rescue his wife. And they detained him and disarmed him. Somebody needs to go to jail. I'm like, and I'm not one that says that on these types of things, but somebody in this case, somebody needs to go to jail. Let me go over here to Stan. Hello, Stan. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hi, Pete. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm okay. What's up? Yeah, oh, what's up? I wanted to tell you why they're, they're not totally against all the violence with the guns. What they're against is what motivates your violence. Like what we saw yesterday where we talked about, you know, um, the, the, uh, the, the guns and the stuff they got rid of at Harris Teeter. That stuff is pro-American. 
those same people weren't against the, the violence in 2020, BLM or, or, or Antifa. What they're against is all violence that is your right to defend yourself and is pro-America. So it's what motivates your violence, not the violence itself. That's a fair point. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, because they justified the mostly peaceful riots that caused billions of dollars in damage. Those were mostly peaceful, right? Correct. Uh, and so, so what we've, we've seen a moral change in this country, and that is it was founded on individual liberties and rights. But individually now, individual now is not number one anymore. It's the government that's number one. So all crimes against the government would be prosecuted horrendously. Whereas if you just walk into the store somebody and shoot somebody with a gun, they, they will they will let you go in the name of social justice. But if you fill out a form wrong, that's a crime against the government, and they will put you in prison for that. Yeah, although, well, I mean, it, the uh, how does your theory hold up against the shootings of police officers, though? Um, see, I, th- I think that police officers represent law and order, and I think they're using the uh, using not having law and order and, and, and causing crime intentionally to make us want to give up our gun rights. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, there's been, yeah, there has been, and I had a, uh, I had a, a line from this. Hang on, it was in the discussion of the bill. I appreciate the call, Stan. Thank you very much. Uh, no, it's a great point, though, about the the uh, the collapse of law and order. Where was it here? Uh, do, 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 do. We witnessed a completely voluntary destruction of public order, largely at the behest of the anti-gun ownership party, triggering unprecedented increases in gun ownership across race and sex. And the people who brought you the Romney campaign are deciding to run away from that. A completely voluntary destruction of public order. That's what we have been witnessing. It started under COVID, and then it, with the George Floyd protests, the BLM Antifa riots, the Chaz Chop, that sort of stuff, right? The people who have been advancing that agenda that destruction of public order and reimagining like Hegel would or Marx or Gramsci would, this reimagining in a postmodernist view of the perfected society where you keep burning it down and teasing out the most perfected parts and keeping those and building new societies. I mean, yes, 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 a lot of people have to die as we burn down old you know, systems, but eventually you end up with perfection, unless, of course, you made a wrong choice early on and took a part of the system that you thought was perfect and actually wasn't but whatever uh, you've now you know you're, you're advancing you're going forward it's progress and those folks tend to be anti-gun they tend to be anti-gun ownership and when people saw what was happening they ran out and said well if the cops and the government are not going to defend my person and my property, well, I'm going to do it myself. And that has prompted massive gun ownership levels across all demographics. This is a winning argument for the party that did not do it. Yet the party that did not do it seems to be interested in giving the Democrats a way out, in giving them an assist, in not capitalizing and not not taking the win. Far be it for me to suggest that a lot of the people that work in Republican political campaigns might not know what winning looks like, but <laughs> uh, I think this, uh, this might be an example of how you snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, Mark has an email. Pete, as a comment related to your discussion on gun control, 
Um, the founders knew governments could get corrupted. Today's folks forget or were never taught a lot about history. No one seems to remember the Battle of Athens, Tennessee, 1946. Returning World War II vets came home to a county that was taken over by corrupt politicians and law enforcement. People were hassled, controlled. One was even killed attempting to cast a vote. It all came to a head on election night at the county seat and ended up in gunfire. Dynamite, too. Um, with the citizens on one side and the corrupt officials in the building, it required a state intervention to fix things. The returning vets knew how to use firearms. They even made a movie about the whole thing. My two cents. By the way, your show is excellent. You are great at conversing with folks. Well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. We'll do it again tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.